Hey, Connor. Hey, Bones. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm just wonderful. Um, today, we are going to talk about coaching, one of our favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go into e- e- how each one of us got our start uh, with coaching, um, our biggest challenges with starting, and then we have three principles of coaching that we came up with that we think will best benefit anyone who's either just starting or has been on the path for a while. Yes. Sound good? Sounds great. Wonderful. Okay. So who wants to start telling their story first? So you started coaching before I did. So I want you to start and tell us how you got your start in coaching. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I can do that. Okay. So we got to go back to when Jeremy and Susie started Open the Gym, I think in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it was March 2013, I believe. And I was playing rugby for Central at the time. So the first summer that they were open, they had a group of us from their rugby team come in and, and do a summer conditioning program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. That was from May until August, and I was just an athlete at that point, but I immediately kind of fell in love with the gym, and I was actually a uh, criminal justice major at the time. And you I were? Could, I was. <laughs> I didn't know that. You, you never knew that? Yeah, I came no. to Central to do criminal justice, and I did no. a, whole, a whole year of it, and that was the summer that like changed my path. So uh, I fell in love with training. And I switched my major to exercise science mm-hmm. because of the pretty much my experience at the gym. So anyway, fast forward. That's how I got my intro at CrossFit Worthy. Uh, fast forward about six months or so. Jeremy, uh, I went to Jeremy and asked if I could borrow some equipment for a conditioning session I was going to do with the rugby team at school. He said, sure. And then on my way out, or I returned the equipment and he was like, hey, like, do you want to come in here? and like help me coach some high schoolers for the teens program that he had going so it was a crossfit teens program right yeah um and up to that point i had maybe told him like i was interested in in coaching as a profession so the seed was kind of planted which is why he asked me to do that um so at that point yeah i started shadowing with him um, while he coached the teens and i shadowed him for like six months to a year it's a long Uh, time (laughs) It was. Yeah. And I, well, I wasn't ready at all to take responsibility for a group of kids Mm -hmm. in a class with barbells and stuff. So it took a lot of shadowing for me. Um, And then eventually he gave me more and more responsibility in the class. And eventually I started coaching the teens and I was still in school at the time, finishing my undergrad. And uh, eventually I started programming for the teens. And at the end of my academic coursework, I did my internship at CMU. Um, yeah, that was that was full time, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. my internship sorry was through CMU at CrossFit Worthy. So it was, mm-hmm. I was forty hours a week for sixteen weeks, um, and yeah, it was from like January until May. Uh, yeah. just I I shadowed actual uh, like adult classes, I guess, and I like learned a little bit on the like what Susie did. Um, we did a lot of like content making and 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 kind of cool stuff like that during my internship. 
And eventually after that, I graduated, became a full-time coach at CrossFit Worthy. I eventually left Worthy and I coached at CrossFit Gaylord for a little while, came back to Worthy. And uh, that's, that was pretty much my coaching story um, and how I got started. Cool. Um, so it was, yeah, it was all through rugby and, and just, it was a gradual, a lot of shadowing. It was gradually getting into the position. So, oh, yeah. 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 Um, so how about you? How did you get your start, Connor? Yes. So I was an athlete at CrossFit Worthy for three years. I had a little bit of a background in coaching. So I was a swim coach. Um, I had some personal experience or personal training experience and group fitness experience. Mm-hmm. In the job that I was at, I was really unhappy. And at this point in my life, my mental health had tanked. And I had started to entertain the idea that I wanted to leave my job and make a career change. And I remember. So was it an initial thought like, I wanted to do coaching or was it just like, I need a change? Oh yeah. I, I had this feeling in my gut that where I was is not where I wanted to be. Okay. I just, I was very, it felt very unsettling and I just knew what I was doing was not, was not the best fit for me. Right. Um, and actually, so I started personal training with you so I was your mock client right, yeah. for one of your academic classes, yep, stra- strangely right. enough. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember this very vividly after we had trained together for a while, I started opening up to you more and more about how unhappy I was in my current position. And I remember you looked at me and you asked me, you said, okay, if you could do anything, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I think I'd coach. And you said, well, then do that. And you just said it so matter of factly, like, well, mm-hmm. then do that. And I was like, ah, man, I don't know. I was really consumed with a lot of fear that I would not be able to make a living from coaching. Yeah. I was scary. Yeah. yeah, I was like, you know, like coaching's a side hustle. It is not a career path. Mm-hmm. So this was my thinking at the time. Um, and you had mentioned to me, you're like, you know, Jeremy and Susie, I think they're looking for coaches. And I said, ah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And I started to talk to Jeremy and Susie a little bit. And at the time I was still planning to stay at my current job and work full time, but then start coaching on the side. So I, in my head, I was like, I'll coach a couple classes a week. I'll coach maybe three group classes a week. That would be, (laughs) that would be great. (laughs) Um, And then I did something really radical. I decided to resign from my job And I resigned from my job, not knowing that I could pursue coaching full time. That's scary. Yeah, it was really scary. But I made the decision. I I actually calculated it. I figured out that I could survive for six months 
without getting an income really just from savings and what I had. So I told myself, all right, you're going to pursue coaching for six months. And then at six months you'll reassess. And if you can't, if you can't make it, then you're, you're going to do something else. So I kind of gave myself a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after talking with Jeremy and Susie, I, I remember I walked into their office and they were both, they were both there. And I said, Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that I resigned from my job. <laughs> and Jeremy looks up from his desk and he looks at me and he goes, Oh, where are you going? <laughs> and I said, well, nowhere. I just wanted to let you know that I'm available. I'm more available if you right. want me to, if you want me to like work here more, but there's no, there was <laughs> pretty much like hire me. Yeah. But actually I was basically saying like, there's no obligation. I had no expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you don't have to give me classes, but I just want to let you know that I'm available. And they were both really excited. They're like, great. And then after that, whenever Jeremy was coaching, I was there. I just started yeah. showing up. So every day I looked at his schedule and I just showed up. I, when he was there coaching group classes, I was there. When he was coaching legends, I was there. When he had personal training clients, I was there. Yeah. And I just kept showing up day after day. And I would just shadow him all the time for weeks and months <laughs> just follow him around <laughs> i just followed him around yeah um and then slowly he started giving me parts of group classes to coach and then we did a lot of co-teaching and then i would teach group classes with him there next to me and then over time he just started handing them over to me like how much time do you think from like oh the time gosh. you 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 quit your job, Connor. So now yeah. you're at Worthy. Like how much time from then until like okay, you're good. You're good to like on your own. That's a good question. So the timeline, because I started shadowing a little bit right before I resigned, because I was gonna do like a couple classes. I think was the plan. Yep. And then I don't know, maybe like eight to sixteen weeks. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think that was probably the timeline before I was About, kind of yeah. on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, that uh, brings up uh, something that I actually learned at Worthy. Um, Ooh, do you yeah. remember w- when we did? It was by, from I learned it from one of the members. We did like the adulting classes. Yes, that was great. Um, so we we brought someone in each week for these. I don't want to go too long on this, but this one particular person we brought in to talk about uh, like how to build a business and how to lead a corporation. He said, just insert yourself where you don't belong. So (laughs) like put yourself in meetings where you're not supposed to be in that meeting, like insert yourself, like just make yourself seen. And that's kind of like what you did. Like you, when you said, I just showed up when Jeremy was there Yeah, (laughs) and like that, that is literally how you get ahead and how you get noticed. Um, and unless they're like kicking you out and you're being a nuisance, right? Then, w- like, there's nothing bad about you, like, committing that much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so cool. So at the end of like the eight to sixteen weeks, you start coaching on your own, and now it's kind of funny. You thought you were only going to be there for three group classes, <laughs> and now you're like, 
you're literally running the show it seems like for the most part like yeah it was it turned into a full-time position which is great it is exactly what I wanted it to be and I didn't think it was possible yeah it's awesome I love it okay so we have both of our stories so let's get into the three principles of of coaching all right so there's three the three c's actually Mm -hmm. so they all start with the letter c which is fancy um and the first one is confidence yes every coach has to have confidence for for superficial reasons and for like you know other reasons as well Um, but this was both of our biggest struggle was confidence especially in the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, so speak on your like experience first with confidence as coach, as a coach. Yes, this was, this was definitely my biggest struggle when I first mm-hmm. started and it, it all stemmed from that imposter syndrome. And I just remember feeling that I don't know what I'm doing. Who like who am I? Why why would anyone listen to me? I just remember those thoughts going through my head, mm-hmm. and I think I was just afraid that athletes wouldn't respond to me. Hmm. That was my biggest fear, and I think that's why I struggled with confidence when I first started. Yeah. Um, so how how do you think you got over that? Like, what was was there a turning point or? Was there a moment of like validation or was it gradual or or how did you like destroy that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was definitely gradual. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of it came with experience, but I think ultimately I was afraid of what other people were going to think of me. And I had this fear of judgment and I just had to realize that you know what, what other people think of you is out of your control. Mm, So why, why bother giving it any time or energy if it's out of your control? Right. Mm -hmm. And so getting over that fear of judgment and then just knowing that I'm coming from a place of I'm trying to help people. Yeah. I think that was a little bit of a shift in mindset that helped me gain confidence. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How about Um, you? Yeah. Confidence was tough for me because uh, it's it's kind of hard to talk to people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really know. I remember <laughs> when I was just shadowing the teens and I started getting in a shadowing group adult, like the regular classes. Mm-hmm. And I got done with doing the teens and I went and sat over on a box with my laptop and I started programming. And then Jeremy during uh, the 430 class was like, guys, if you don't know Bones, like that's him <laughs> sitting over there. And I was like, uh, like, oh. waved, like so it, it was hard for me because I was just shy. Yeah. Like, period. Like my whole childhood and into my young adult teen years, like I was shy, like in a classroom. I It's so easy to hide in a classroom through mm-hmm. college. And that's what I did. I think that's what a lot of kids do. Is they're able to hide and just get their grade and go on to the next thing. Um, so that followed me into like professional my professional life as a, as a coach and things. So I think the most real, like best realistic example was it was tough for me to, once I do board talk and, and, and do like uh, all, all those things mm-hmm. was 
they're all doing the workout now. It was really hard for me to go up to someone and have that one-on-one re- interaction and coach them and tell them what to do. Um, cause I just, I don't know. I, it was just a weird thing to me. I was just shy about it. Oh yeah. Cause you, you didn't have a fear of public speaking. No, not really. That was not the issue. Yeah. I felt like I was pretty good at it. Like even, I don't know, cause I had experience prior to starting coaching CrossFit as like, I was became captain of the rugby team. Mm. And, like I had to speak in front of those guys. So I had good experience from there. Like that wasn't a big deal. It was just like the one-on-one. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know how they would take it if I told them to do something and then it's awkward. And then like, okay, do I just walk away? It was just stupid stories I would tell myself. Yeah. Um, So where was the turning point for you? When did that start to change? Just, just doing it more Mm because the more I did it, the more it just became a story and the story faded away. Mm, Yeah. So now like, I don't even think about twice about going up to someone and talking to them and telling them what to do if they're doing something incorrect or they could be doing something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, even if it's not a coaching thing, if I just go up and talk to someone in the middle of class and ask them how their day's going or what's going on with like something that's been bothering them, whether it be physical or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not a big deal. I just do the thing more and do what you fear and the fear goes away almost. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was just experience. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to add to confidence? I don't think so. I think we're ready for the second C. Ooh, the second C (laughs) is commit. Yes. Okay. So commit to coaching and getting experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So the biggest way that we, you and I were able to commit and grow was the coaches circles that we did and the coaches circles at worthy consisted of all of us coaches getting together once a week for about an hour and we would either go over basic movements uh body weight movements especially barbell movements because we were trying to get better at those at coaching those or going over programming or things like that um but let's let's talk more about like barbell movements and like how we used to take away the the senses yes yeah that was Um, great yeah so this was huge in our development and it could be huge in any coach's development because it's a very controlled environment uh and it's all based around feedback for the coach Mm -hmm. to the coach you know um so what we would do let's say connor you get picked and you you're going to coach the you're going to coach medicine med ball okay <laughs> of course yeah my nemesis <laughs> you're going to coach med ball cleans today right yes so it's you upon up coaching and mm-hmm. you have a group of us coaches who yes. is like mimicking the class mm-hmm. and we say uh you can't you can't talk mm-hmm so you have to teach us the med ball clean, but you can't say words. Yes. So it, it relies all on movement. Mm-hmm. You're essentially a mime. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't talk. You can't use tactile cueing. You just have to, you have to be really expressive and you have to over exaggerate your gestures. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one was, this is the most fun drill that we ever did in coaches circle. Um, 
and we had a lot of good movements that we taught where we had to mime. Um, but yeah, this, this is the best way to commit to that ongoing development for, yeah. sh- for sure. Yeah, exactly. And not even that you're going to see results. Cause once you do, you kind of like get really good at coaching the basic movements like that in a mm-hmm. controlled environment. Now you can have the confidence to go back in class and teach any type of person how to do that movement. Like you could teach someone who's been in the gym for five years mm-hmm. that may have just is just goofing up today. Um, you have someone who you could teach someone who only like understands tactile cues. Um, so it, yeah, it's a great way to build confidence. Um, another, so miming was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was another one? Oh yeah. So they're all based off of the senses, but also based off of the different ways that people learn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, miming is great for visual learners who have to see it. Um, Another one we did was the blindfolded one. Yeah. So if someone is really good with listening and they're like a, what's it called? An auditory, auditory Mm -hmm. learner, whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, You, the class or the, uh, the other coaches would be blindfolded and you would have to just only use your words and your cues mm-hmm. to explain the movement. So I don't know. We've done so many movements blindfolded now. We've probably done all of them. Yeah. But yeah, we... try, try blindfolding somebody and then trying to cue them through a deadlift. It's right. It's tough. Yeah. And And you have to rely on talking and and tactile. So touching. Yes. Um, Mm. But yeah, that was another good one. And then we did one where you couldn't hear either. Right. Or no, is that. No, no, the not. uh, There was just no talking, no talking, blindfolded, blindfolded, and then no touching. No touching. Yeah, I think that okay, was it. Okay, tactile. We did those three. Yeah. Just got rid of t- and then another one we came up with was when we had a really quiet intern was we were on opposite ends of the room yes. of the gym. Yeah. And like you had to like yell and project your voice and use your body to teach this thing. Yes. So that's another really, really good one. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Connor, what was your like favorite or mo- what do you think was the most effective coach's drill? Coach's My... My favorite one was the mime. So the mm-hmm. one where you're not allowed to speak. And I think, I think that one really breaks people out of their shell because yeah. you have to be really over the top with your movements and it becomes like very fun and very silly. So mm-hmm. usually as coaches, sometimes we get into the trap of being serious all the time mm-hmm. and miming to someone how to do like a split jerk is it's just, you have to make it more fun. You have to. Yeah. And then you can immediately that go into your group class and you're just way bigger and more expressive. And like the class can tell you just bring more energy to the class and have more fun. Totally. You have more confidence. Yes. Like, um, kind of, did you ever, do a miming one with an actual class no you did though I did (laughs) yeah I I remember we talked about it and I think it was like kind of like middle of the week slump and you turned to me I think I was in the class 
I think you, you turned to me been. and yeah. you were like, yeah, I think I'm just going to like mime this whole class. I was like, <laughs> you should. It was great. <laughs> That's uh, like doing the coaching circle stuff. It becomes, it lets, like you said, it, like it'll break you out of your shell if you have one. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it brings the whole team together in the end too, like the coaching team. Yes. Um, so if you're not doing this, if you're a coach anywhere, um, doesn't have to be a CrossFit gym, but definitely make time every week or every month to get together with your coaches and do some sort of coaching circle where you guys mm-hmm. talk, touch base, but then practice coaching each other. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's going to like skyrocket your development. Yeah. Okay. So good on commit. Uh, our last C. Yes. Our last C is probably the biggest one in terms of, of like longevity with coaching and it's care. Care. Yes. Um, bones. I want to hear from you. Why is care important? Care. It, it builds trust, uh, between you and the athlete. Mm -hmm. So trust is absolutely baseline when it comes to building a relationship. Uh, and, we often hear like we're not in the fitness business, we're in the relationship business, and that's mm. so true because without true. our our relationships with our athletes, then what is what is there? It's just a bunch of movement that doesn't really I don't know. It's supposed to be really fun. You're supposed to have the community. So care is building trust with your athletes at a baseline level. Yes. Um, and and from that you can lead into once you learn your athlete, like the individual athlete you'll know how to coach them better. So you'll know that this person is a little more carefree and goofy and that's how you should approach your coaching. So if you're very stern and serious, it's probably not going to resonate with them. And likewise, if you deal with like a very stern and serious athlete who is like very focused on themselves, that's fine for Mm -hmm. the athlete because they're supposed to be, but like, don't, I don't know. Like you'll, you'll figure out how to coach them more effectively as yeah. well. It was, it was interesting. Um, Jeremy will often have new coaches or interns just spend the first 15 minutes before class starts walking around and talking to athletes. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Just get to know oh. them, know them by name, ask them how they're doing. And start to learn more about their life outside of the gym. Yep. And that's Absolutely. where that's where building relationships starts. Mm-hmm. And I think um, um, we did this recently. We did this this week at our gym. We asked our athletes what they liked most about the gym. And they they didn't say anything about the workouts or the expertise of the coaches, the two top things they said were they liked that they felt welcomed so that it was a welcoming environment Mm -hmm. and they felt cared for. And I thought that was really interesting that those were the top two things they liked most about the gym. Absolutely. And it makes sense too, because there's always going to be a workout every day. Mm, Yes. It's going to be different movement, but whether you can walk in the gym and feel welcomed and like have the coach know your name mm-hmm. um, is the big difference with them staying or, you know, finding somewhere else to go. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
what else about care here? Um, I don't know. What else do you think about care? Do you have anything else to say? I know other than as a new coach, I mean, as any coach, I think expertise will come over time. Yeah. And it goes back to like building relationships should be at the base of the pyramid. This yeah. is, this is where you should start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if you, if you don't care, <laughs> okay, if you don't so care, yeah. If you don't care, oh my gosh, it's either you're going to learn to care real quick or this is just, <laughs> isn't for you. So mm-hmm. can I tell my story real quick? Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear it. All right. So when I first started coaching on my own, uh, I was handed a schedule of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, coaching the 5.30 a.m., 6.30 a.m., 7.30 a.m., 8.30 a.m., and then Tuesday, Thursday were, I'm not even sure what they were, but my focus was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I'm waking up at 4.30 yeah. three days a week now, and I've never even sniffed. I used to go to bed at that time. Yeah. You know, so I was not a morning person. And then I started doing that, and I remember talking to Jess, a girlfriend, and I was like, why am I doing this? Why? I don't even care about these people. I'm getting up so early. Mm-hmm. And that changed within like a seriously a week or two. It felt like so quick because I learned that 5.30 a.m. was it quickly became my favorite class because they bring so much energy. Yes. And if the athlete, the athlete that goes to 5.30 a.m. cares so much because mm-hmm. it's not easy to get out of bed. Like physically it's easy. You just pull the covers off and you, you wake up, but like, I don't know, the mental fortitude and the mental like, uh, willpower to do yeah. that is it's, it speaks a lot about uh, a person. Yeah. Um, so I, I learned to care because the athletes cared and I fed off them. And in a way that's, I think that's an okay way to grow as a coach as well is just getting to know the athletes and feeding off their energy sometimes, even though you should be the one bringing it, um, every day with your personality. That's, in the beginning, that's okay, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are three Cs. So we have confidence, commit, and care. Yes. So we want to go on to two little bonus pieces of advice. Mm, yeah, what's the first mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first one is be authentic. Oh, yes, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. Take it away. So... Um, I think when I know when I first started coaching, I would shadow Jeremy and I resorted to mimicking. So I would, it would basically, it sounded like I was reading from a script because I would watch him coach a class and then I would just repeat exactly what he said. And although it might have sounded good, it was really inauthentic. So it it wasn't Mm -hmm. me. It wasn't my style. And it takes a while, but you have to start to learn to get comfortable and learn to let your personality shine through. And you you have to make it your own. Like, I will never coach like Jeremy. I have to learn my coaching style. Um, And it was funny because I asked one of our members this week. I said, it was Lynn. We love Lynn. Lynn. Hi, Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) She listens. Um, I asked her, I said, Lynn, what's your advice for a new coach? And she goes, you know what? They should just have fun. 
they they just need to realize that we're real people and they just have to let their walls down and have fun when they coach. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a good piece of advice um, because we forget to do that. We forget to let our personality shine through and we forget to have fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's so, she's so spot on. And that's just one thing that I struggled with in the beginning, in the beginning too, as I was, am I going to be the fun coach? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. or am I going to be the weird, like awkward, quiet, shy coach? <laughs> so you almost have to choose mm-hmm. and then just like stick to it. She's so right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, be authentic. If you're, if you're more goofy then be goofy. And then when it comes time to like, you know, get serious, get serious. Um, mm-hmm. Just let your personality shine through and, and be you and don't be your mentor, mentor or idol because mm, mm-hmm. it just doesn't come off good. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, um, okay, cool. That. Anything else about being authentic? Don't be a board board reader. Oh, yes. Be Ooh, a coach. Yeah. Tell me more. This is good. So if you've ever dropped in at an, at a, at another gym Mm -hmm. or been to another gym or heard about it or whatever, um, even at our gym, it's happened. We're not like perfect, but like someone who reads off the board does board talk. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the board talk is half-assed. Like people are just walking around. No one's listening. Really. You're just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You're, you're talking to air and then the class starts and does gets their warm up, does their stuff, grabs their equipment and then the workout starts and then the coach disappears. Mm, yeah. That is, that's not authentic. That's not why you should be doing this. At that point you're just a babysitter. Right. Uh, instead of, instead of a coach. Yeah, anyone can read a workout and be like, "Hey guys, this is what we're doing today." Mhm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's so important. I've definitely mm-hmm. dropped into gyms where that's been the case. Yeah. And it's, it's such a letdown because the people there probably don't know any better because that's most likely their only experience. So they're thinking like, oh, this is like, this is what CrossFit is. Or sometimes they pick up and like, this is like really shitty. And then they give mm-hmm. CrossFit a bad name because of this one experience. And that's not, you know, you want to give your your members or an athletes like a really, really good experience every day and like add value to their membership every day as a coach. Yes. Um, and part of that is comes just from you being authentic and like continuing to learn and, and applying the three, you know, being confident, committing and, and caring. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's all I have for that. Be authentic. The last piece of advice, I think this is one that I think we both really feel strongly about is you don't have to be the best athlete to be a coach. Oh yes. Um, (laughs) Bones, is this something that you struggled with when you first started? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I struggled with it the whole time to a point, but I definitely had a turning point. So when I first started, um, I was actually in my internship. It was 2016 and the open was going on and I had this pressure on myself. Like I have to go out there and I have to like kill it. Mm-hmm. All of these workouts because everyone's going to be looking up to me. Um, and that just wasn't the case. Like I'm 
I'm a good athlete. I, I move well, but I'm not very enduring, even though I'm trying, I think that's a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to tell myself that I am enduring. I just have to like do the right things to, to like, I have to eat right. And I have to actually apply a good, better mindset. Instead You're of just... rewriting your story. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I just keep telling myself a, a story. Um, so yeah, I struggled with it because I just wasn't a very enduring athlete, like physically, I didn't, I couldn't move the barbell as quick. I couldn't recover as quick during like a workout, like Mm -hmm. Fran or Helen or or something a little more like longer distance. Like I just didn't have that capacity. Um, And I thought people were going to look down on that and be like, Oh, I'm not going to listen to him. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I just kicked his ass in this workout Mm -hmm. and no one noticed. No one, no one cared that I didn't do well or like they beat me or, whatever all they cared about i learned as i went on is how i made them feel yeah really if i'm a good coach my athletes should be way better than me and it and it's not it shouldn't be me downplaying my own athletic ability like Mm -hmm. oh i suck and they're just way better than me if i'm a really good coach then i'm just rising the tides of their ability and they should be better than me yeah yeah. Yeah, I love what you said about they're they're not going to remember your athletic ability. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah, during yeah. their their yep. experience totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what um, about you? Yeah, I I was really insecure about not being the best athlete and being a coach. And there are are a lot of movements that I struggle with and there are a lot of movements that did not come easy to me. Mm. Um, I started just like everyone else. I couldn't do pull-ups without a band. I couldn't do dips without a band. I spent years working on higher skilled gymnastics movements like toes to bar and double unders and bar muscle ups, ring muscle ups. And I think now that I'm five, six years in, Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that that struggle has made me a better coach and made me able to better relate to what my athletes are going through. Yeah. I totally get it. I, none of this came easy to me. And I think the best coaches come from a place of struggle. Yeah, totally. For sure. Um, and I think you just goes back to, I am more knowledgeable about all the progressions and all the drills that you can use to accomplish those movements. And, I can just relate to exactly how they feel and maybe the frustrations that they're going through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you, in order for you to teach like a a skilled movement, Mm -hmm. it helps a lot to be able to do the movement yourself, but it's not necessary. And it's almost more important to have that gradual learning curve. Mm, Yes. So, you know, you start doing, I don't know if it happens to be bar muscle up, like you, you like worked at that forever, forever. And like, okay, first, first, you know, okay. A kipping pull-up comes yeah. and then a chest bar and then a banded with a green band bar mm-hmm. muscle up and then a banded with a blue and then banded with a red. And all of a sudden, boom, 
Um, so like understanding those progressions helps a lot. That, yeah. And then being able to relate with an athlete who might be stuck on a blue band or mm-hmm. something. You know, yes. It's is big. So yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be the best athlete to be a good coach. Right. Cool. Cool. All right. So let's, let's close this out. We're doing great, Connor. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the last thing we're going to do is talk about, uh, the top memory for us as an athlete. Oh, yes. Or the most, I don't know, top, most meaningful or impactful, funny, whatever, like a most a memorable experience. So, okay. You, you take it away first. Okay. So my most memorable moment as an athlete was the open in 2016. And I, I got my first bar muscle up in the open workout, which was really, really exciting. Um, but most people don't know that this was really significant for me because that year I had an injury or I was having a knee issue that was not allowing me to squat so I, I didn't squat for like eight months. So long. Yeah. I wasn't doing any squat based movements. I was scaling everything in the open. Hmm. And I remember that season was significant because I had to shift my focus and change my goal to work on a higher skill gymnastics movement. So in my head, I was like, okay, you can't squat. So we have to, we have to shift, right? You just have to change the goal. And so I shifted to, all right, I'm going to work on bar muscle ups. And so I remember I ran a bar muscle up program that I was doing on my own. And I remember the open came around. I was like, gosh, this season is such a wash because (laughs) even after shifting my focus, I still don't have a bar muscle up. (laughs) And so I remember the workout came up and I was just like, I got to the bar and I stared at it and I attempted and I failed a bunch of times. And then I finally got one and it was really, really exciting. Freaking got one. Yeah, finally. Um, But it was very rewarding to put in all that work on a movement like that. That was so challenging. Yep. I, I didn't see it, but I remember I had my my back was facing you and all I remember was you, you did it. And Susie just like, you know, exploded oh, yes. with yeah. whatever she does, like emotion and excitement. Yeah. And then I just turned around and you were up there and you're like, Ooh, like super giddy. <laughs> uh, so like, yeah, the whole place kind of was really excited for you. I, I do remember that. It was good. Yeah, That was a fun moment. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, bones, what's yours? I feel so <laughs> it's going to sound like I feel like I end all of these episodes <laughs> with something relating to Jess. Oh yeah, that's okay. Oh my god, yeah it is okay, but he's um you're right, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um so w- before me and Jess started dating uh we started dating in January and I was doing we had the beast program at mm. worthy at the mm-hmm. time so yeah. we both kind of were doing the beast and we were getting to know each other and blah 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 and i was like we made a bet 
they weren't even talking that much at this time. We were just mutually interested in each other, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I made a bet with her that I would squat 315 pounds, front squat 315 pounds mm. before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and Connor, up to this point, this was 2015, I had been training with Jeremy since 2013. Uh-huh. And like 315 front squat was always a thing that I wanted up in like pretty much from like the first summer. Like, I don't know. There was just something significant in my mind about having three plates on each side and like oh, front squat yeah. and like I could only front squat at the time. So I thought because of my back and stuff. Yes, and yeah. So I was, I was like my thing and I wanted to get really good at it. So the amount of times I failed a 315 pound front <laughs> squat, it was like so many times. Uh-huh. And it was frustrating. So I started doing the beast program and getting stronger, stronger, stronger. And then one day, uh, lo and behold, was programmed a one RM front squat. Mm-hmm. This is like, your moment. <laughs> and like, I, I put the expectation there in my mind, which probably isn't a good thing, but like I was young and like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go crush this. Yes. Thing. And it was just me and Jeremy at the gym and, and one, one other athlete. So it was very quiet. And warming up like you know where the story's going obviously mm-hmm. i got i got 315 and i was like oh that's crazy. <laughs> yeah and jeremy was like nice job and we, like you want to try another one and i was like what huh <laughs> and put 325 on the bar <gasps> and I went down and i squatted up 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 and i i got it and I, like i threw the bar Ooh. off my chest uh-huh. and like i walked away like a badass <laughs> it's all on video it's funny. yeah it's pretty hilarious and i was like that was 325 and jeremy was like hell yeah it was i was like i just like i couldn't believe that i was capable of doing that like 315 was like i don't know in my mind it was like a hundred percent like that was like my ceiling mm. and like the feeling of breaking the ceiling uh was fucking awesome yeah. And anyway, so I sent I sent the video to Jess <laughs> and uh the rest is history. The rest start, is history. I started that's why she dates me, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the reason right there. <laughs> yeah, so that was a great memory that I'll carry forever. So Oh, that was great. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh anything else you want to add, Connor? Any other thoughts? That's it. Yeah, cool. Um guys, if you're listening to this and you liked the episode and you like what we're doing, go give us a follow at Weekly Warrior Podcast on Instagram. Um, we're also on Facebook, the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Uh, Connor, what's your Instagram handle? My handle is at CC Edelbrock. Um, yes, Bones, what's yours? At uh, Jared, J A R E D, dot J. Dot Bradford, because there's a lot of Jared Bradfords out there. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I have to mix it up. So yeah, yeah. you can follow me there. Um, Connor Coast posts a lot of cool nutrition stuff. So yeah, go give her a follow. And uh, we're going to be back with an episode next week. And But for now, this one is wraps. Cool. Bye, Bones. Right. Bye, Connor. Mm-hmm.